uh, a whole family visiting us here this morning, and I'm going to go ahead and embarrass them because I know it's not just the wife. Amen. So if Emily, this is Pastor Paul's wife, would stand up first, we'll embarrass her first. Amen. And then Evan, her, their son, Elena, their daughter, Josh, her husband, their son-in-law, are here from Colorado Springs this morning. Let's give them a big hand and welcome. Amen. We're so glad to have you. Thank you. I don't know if Pastor Paul was going to do that or not, but I stole it from him. We're so glad to have them here. Um, Pastor Paul and Emily are leading our home church with a, and doing such an amazing, awesome job. Um, they're not changing, you know, what Pastor Jones has started all these years, but they're doing so many wonderful things to take us to another level. And I'm so thankful for the friendship that we have and have gotten to know each other more and more over these years. And I'm so thankful for partnership to be able to walk together, amen, and work together. And we're tremendously blessed today um, to have them with us to end off this year. Nothing's by coincidence. And uh, they have traveled around the world. Um, I can't remember how many years ago so y'all went to Africa. What, was the, what year was it? 2005. So eight years ago, they went down. Um, that's when you got back or went? Okay, went. Went to Kenya, to Nairobi, Kenya. Took the whole family down there and uh, started a awesome church in Nairobi, Kenya. We have Kenyans here in our church, amen, and so they know how awesome that is. And out of that church, there's at least five, I know that's always growing, there's at least five churches that have sprung out of that church that they started in Nairobi, Kenya, amen, in, this, in the in surrounding areas and outside of Nairobi. And uh, I've been there, I've preached there, I've seen the work, and uh, they had planted another church before that in Greeley, Colorado, before they went to Kenya, and so they've pioneered, they've planted, they've started, and now they're leading uh, and doing a great job in our fellowship. And it's so awesome to have um, Pastor Paul with us this morning. He's going to be back with us tonight, so make sure you come back tonight, amen. The best way we get in 2013 is being at church twice, amen. Praise God. Coming back tonight and getting what God has for us, and all the rest of you will catch on with that later, amen. It'll hit you as you get out the door. I'm coming back, amen. So let's... Open up our hearts and our minds this morning and our spirits, and uh, let's really receive Pastor Paul with a great Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas welcome this morning. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you this morning. It's a privilege for us to be here with you. Amen. I'm glad to have made it here, and I'm glad there wasn't bad weather along the way. I only wish we could have brought that big old sign that was out in front of our church. Pastor's probably shared it with you already, and uh, but it's there, and it's ready for whenever it's ready to go up, and uh, we've made some changes in our sign there, and so in light of that, we'd rather get rid of the old sign, to a, take send it to a place that, where it can be used. And rather than have it sitting in a, a sign lot somewhere, you know, and uh, that investment not being made, doing something with it. So we look forward to sending it down here to you. That thing's, it's a big sign. It's, I don't know, it's, it's as big as the one that's up there. Uh, maybe not quite as tall, but it's, it's about five feet tall by 15 feet long. And it's got neon all around it and everything. And so it's there when, when uh, things are available here. So praise God. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Blake, for, for letting us be here and for your friendship. And I thank God for friends 
in a fellowship and people that have the same vision and that want to do the same thing for God. Amen. I'm, I'm looking at Pastor Blake and I'm uh, thinking about his, his dad and mom and, and the church family here and just kind of how, how he was brought up. That's the way we were brought up. And so we've got a lot in common in our upbringing and our convictions and that we, we both want the same thing. And so when I walked in here today, I felt like I was in our church. I see Victory World Outreach everywhere. I see people from all over the place. And, I, man, it feels good in here. So, yeah, we spent four years in Kenya living there in Nairobi and planting churches in Eldoret and Nakuru and some different places there uh, outside of Nairobi, the, out, out of the city center. And so God's doing a good work there. The church in Nairobi is growing, and we're uh, sitting on a piece of property. I've shared it here before. That's, a, that's an expensive piece of land, and it's, uh, to buy it is more than what we have the resources for, but God's got a lot of money, and we are one day either going to purchase that property or we're going to move the church and buy another piece of property, but uh, we've, got a, we've got a killer deal on a, on a prime piece of real estate, and we've got another lease right now for about another four to five years on this land until we have to make some, some moves, but just pray for the church in Nairobi, pray for our churches in, in DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo, and pray that God would just sweep across Africa and move in a mighty way, amen? This world needs a revival, amen? You know, America needs a revival. Now they're sending missionaries from other places to America. Did you know that? They've, they've, they've cut back on sending them into other countries. Other countries see the need here in the, in the United States, and they're sending workers. Amen. We need the gospel to be preached. We need to be the light and the example that God has called us to be. Amen. We can be that church right here in Denton. Amen. Thank God for you. Thank God for what he's doing in this place. I want to minister this morning, and I want to also minister tonight two messages that I think are going to help you. I believe God, God's going to uh, help you through 2014. How many want 2014 to be a lot better year than 2013? Amen. I know that I, in my life and in our church, I want this next year to be uh, spectacular. I want it to be totally different. Now, I know, I know what is going on in the world, and I, can, I read the paper just like you do. And I see the same news broadcast, and I see what's happening in this world, and the, the natural man and the natural mind says that, that everything's falling apart. The government's in trouble and, and the economy and, and uh, the, the state of, of world affairs is in trouble. But let me tell you something. God is never taken by surprise in these things. God does not stand and, and, and look at what's going on in this earth and scratch his head and, and say, well, how did that ever happen? How did that problem ever take place? He doesn't look at it like that. He sees these things with, a, with an eternal perspective he looks at everything that is going on in the full scope of eternity in the, in the very small part of eternity that, that our lives are. We're just, a little, we're just a little blip on the radar here in our lives and in the span of this earth in compar comparison to eternity. And he sees all of these things. And let me tell you, everything that is going on in this earth is part of what God is doing. He's drawing people back to himself. There's, a, there's something that's happening. The devil has not, you know, kicked God off the throne and now he has full reign. Let me tell you, God is still on the throne. He still knows exactly what's happening. 
These are not the darkest days for the church or for the believer or for the Christian. These are the brightest days. These are the last days. These are the days where God brings his people and his church together for a final uh, assault on the, on the, the forces of hell. And one of these days, the Bible says that we are, as a church, as believers, going to be caught up off of this earth. It could be before I ever finish this message. It could be before the end of the day or before 2013 is gone. Or it could be during this next year, but whatever it is, we've got to be prepared. We've got to be ready because when he lifts his spirit off of this earth, the church that has been holding back the gates of hell the very people that are praying for this nation and, and evangelizing the world and they're carrying the gospel into the farthest places are going to be lifted off this earth and all hell is going to break loose. Amen. Thank God we're not going through it. Look at somebody say we're not going through it. Amen. That we're going to be caught up. He's saving us from the wrath that is to come and his Holy Spirit will be lifted from this earth and then there's a process that God has outlined in the word of God and we'll save that for another message. But let me tell you, there are a couple things that can make, really make a big difference in 2014 in your life. I'm gonna preach on the first one this morning. The second one I'll minister tonight. Tonight, I'm going to be ministering on the opportunity of time or redeeming the time. You know, what you do with your time can make all of the difference in this next year. You can spend the whole year playing video games. How many know that's not going to get you real far? You may advance a couple of levels and, uh, you know, achieve something to some people, but it's not going to really change your life unless it's in the wrong direction. But if you want God to really do something in your life in 2014, don't miss this message tonight on redeeming the time because what you do with your time can really affect your family. It can affect your future. It touch your finances, and God can really help you through this next year in a way that you never imagined. Amen? So I want to encourage you to be back for that tonight. Amen. But this morning, I want to I want to minister a message that I'm going to be preaching in our church next Sunday, and I've been kind of preparing this and getting some things together because I see this as an area that has been neglected in many many churches. As a matter of fact, when you go into a lot of churches, if you if the pastor happens to be preaching on what I'm preaching this morning, you get the pastor stumbling over himself, apologizing for having to bring the topic up. And it just about breaks his heart to have to even mention the word. As a matter of fact, it's, it's uh, something that they, they try and shy away from, and I've even been guilty of that myself, and the Holy Spirit convicted me. And this morning I want to minister on first fruits in our lives. I want to minister on the issue in the area of finances because it is in this area that God has a way of meeting our needs and blessing us in a way that we, we never imagined he could bless us. Some people might, they might be visiting, you might be visiting here and I, the good thing about being, been a, us being a while since being here is I don't know who's new and who's not new. So this message is really for all of us, and I want to encourage you that this year, let this year be a, a, a year that, that really um, 
is unlike any other year. I mean, how many know God can really bless you in your finances and meet a need where, where you could have never imagined he could have done something? God can step in and do a supernatural miracle in your finances. He can really help you. And the reason that I'm preaching this today is because we're on the very, uh, the very edge, the front side of 2014. This is, this is where a precedent is set in our lives. You've heard of a, a precedent being set in law when they, when they uh, write something in the law and now there's a precedent and they can look back and refer to that occasion where something was already done. That's what this, this very beginning of the year does when it comes to the area of finances. So turn over with me, to, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 9, Proverbs 3 and verse 9. We'll get right into it. The New King James. It says in verse 9, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would permeate this place. God, I thank you for the revelation of the Holy Spirit that brings direction and wisdom in our lives. God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this worship service and this team of people, Lord, that have labored, God, to bring your word into this place. I pray, God, that you'd speak to us in a supernatural way. Lord, let us hear from heaven. Let it not be words from a man, but heavenly Father, I pray, speak to our hearts. Reveal yourself to us, God. Show us, Lord, the plan that you've laid out for us in Scripture, God. We thank you for all you've done and already have done in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you something that what we are involved in as a fellowship is, is pretty incredible. The, the investment that has gone from this fellowship, your church and our church in Colorado Springs, has, has really made an impact. Financially, we've made an impact around the world. This morning there are, or of course they've already had their services in Kenya and in Congo and in the Czech Republic, but there are churches that are a di direct result of the investment of this church right here, of our home church in Colorado Springs. We have been able to plant workers, put people, Americans into a place and, and to, to establish them. They've, they've bought vehicles. They've bought properties over there for their, those churches. And not for the, not for the sake of, of building a name for an organization or for uh, lifting up the name of a man, but for establishing a colony of heaven in another place where the gospel could be preached and people could hear the word of, of, of the Lord and not be waiting somewhere in darkness for the gospel to come to them. Those Americans did not stay there. We did not go to Kenya with the intention of living there the rest of our lives, although it was a beautiful place and I probably would have stayed there. But we went to plant a church and to come out of that place and to leave a solid work in place. That's the reason we've got churches in Costa Rica and we've got churches in the Czech Republic. There's gypsy pastors now, probably I'd say 11 to 15 pastors. I can't remember the exact number, but across the Czech Republic ministering in gypsy villages. 
and people in, in, in Moscow that are worshiping the Lord today and lifting up their hands because of the investment of people. How, do we, how are we able to do that? It's not because of something that we were able to do, but it's something that God did through us to do in another place. Now, when I'm preaching about, about resources, it's not so we, can, so we can somehow just accumulate things and, and so we, we, don't, we don't simply give to get, although when you invest, how many would expect a return in your own life? If you're investing in something, you'd like to, just, you'd like to see a return. That's, there, there's, there's a law of sowing and reaping. We expect that God is faithful. He says, give and it shall be given unto you. Not so we can be a, a, uh, a reservoir unto ourselves, but so that we can be a channel of God's blessing into the kingdom of God. In the, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, it says he'll bless you so that you can be a blessing. I believe it's in Deuteronomy. But there are, super, there are super spiritual principles that supersede and they go above all natural principles. You know, there are natural principles that, ha- that, that take place. When it comes to economics, after 9-11, President Bush uh, got up and he made a statement. He began to speak to the nation. He told the nation, it's time to get back out and spend. How many, anybody remember when President Bush did that? And people, people went out, and some people really, you know, they loved that statement. Get out and spend, go shopping. Well, the, the, the idea was that, you know, what, what happened after 9-11, people began, they got afraid. They held back. They began to hold on. They, they stopped uh, spending, and he says, you've got to get back out. Now, it's a pretty dangerous thing when our, our, the whole state of our economy is based on people spending, it's kind of a kind of a frightening thing, you know, but it's a, but it's a fact that money has to keep moving. Money's got to keep moving. Get keep keep uh, keep that money going in and coming uh, coming in and going out. And it happens even in churches that instead of giving to missions, instead of giving and sowing into the harvest, instead of planting and and letting there be a release of finances, they begin to withhold to themselves. It's like they're an island. Something dangerous happens in a church when there's no outflow. Something happens in a church. People begin to turn inward. They begin to uh, uh, attack each other. Instead of attacking the devil and going after something that's really legitimate, they begin to take on each other. And this church is a, it's a soul-winning church. You see outreaches taking place. This, that's, my, the, the, that's my miracle campaign where we were going door to door and we were telling and sharing testimonies. That's something that, that is a natural flow out of, our, out of our church because that's who we are. I thank God for this church. I thank God for the church in Cortez and all of our fellowship churches that have together planted a church in Ireland. Just recently planted a church in Belfast. You know, they've got a building. Today, they've, they've uh, signed a lease. I just got a text from Pastor Don Portnova that they've, they've gotten a building that they're able to meet in on Sundays. He still doesn't have all of his, his personal documents. They're still working on how to stay in the country. They're not, they're not sure what they're going to do once their visa is up. But we're believing God for that. But they've already uh, got a, a few people that are coming. And let me tell you something. That, that's good stewardship. 
It's good stewardship when we as a church receive offerings and we're not just storing them up, but we're, we're doing something with what God has, has brought into this place and into our church in Colorado Springs. There's a, plant, there's, there's a sowing and a planting. Now, there are four categories of people that are in a church that are listening to this message. The very first category is those people that are automatically suspicious. You start talking about money, they're automatically suspicious. Now, oh, I knew it. This is my first time here, or, or the, I, I knew they were going to just, I knew they were going to preach on money. I just knew it was going to happen. But listen, we're not after, we're not after people's money. Listen, God is after our heart. God's got lots of money. Amen. As Pastor Andrew said, he owns all the cattle on a thousand hills, and the hills too. He's got all of that. It's not that God is after our money. We're, we're not here to get money. We're here to get money to you. There was a time when I was a, was a little bit nervous on preaching on money because I knew exactly where people were at. In our church, I knew what kind of work, what kind of pay they were getting, especially when I was pastoring in Nairobi, and I understood that it's a miracle if they make more than $2 in a day where we were pastoring. A dollar a day? And some of them would, would, were, were uh, uh, I mean, we're talking about severely struggling with a house full of kids in a 10 by 10 uh, Mubati or Iron Sheet uh, house and everybody is living in the same 10 by 10 area. And that's the, house, the, the kitchen, the living room and the bedrooms and everything all in, in that 10 by 10 space. I thought, how am I going to stand before these people and, and bring an offering basket and ask them to bring and, and, and bring money to this church? And you know, they're looking at me with, and they're saying, this white man is from America and we know in America there's money just lying on the ground and people just pick it up and put it in their pockets. That's the mentality. And some, of, some that are from other places knew that this was the idea that in America, there's just money laying on the ground. You just go get it. And now this white preacher is going to ask me to come and put money into a basket? But let me tell you something, that when we began to challenge people and we began to stir up their faith, they began to see that there's a principle involved here. It's not about, how, it's not about me bringing uh, uh, the, the little that I have, but it's about the heart and what God can do out of obedience in a heart. And they brought those resources and I would watch mamas and, 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 and daddies that, that were struggling. And they brought that tithe the 10%, and they said, this belongs to God. And in Kenya, we bring people to the altar. We don't pass the basket because people like to make change and they, you know, they want to um, take out more than they put in sometimes. So everyone in Nairobi, in our church there, who comes out of their seat and puts the money up in the basket. But I watched them as they come and God began to stir them up and I watched people that went from, from, from not being able to do hardly anything to God blessing them in their finances and starting little business here. God doing something in their, in, their, in their family situation over there and it was something supernatural. You can't explain it. You can't say, well, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was man's doing and they just, you know, they, they had an idea. It was God that opened up an opportunity and the windows of heaven were opened in their lives. So there's those that are suspicious and there are those that give their first fruits and they give their best. They don't give God the leftovers. 
They give God their best. There's a third category of listeners. And those are the people who say, you know what, I know that it's true, but you know what, Pastor, I'm really not there just yet. I want to challenge you. Let the Holy Spirit take you to that place of obedience I'm talking about absolute obedience in your walk with him. You're, you say, well, I'm not a tither. I love God, but I'm not a tither yet. Let me tell you, 2014 can be your best year yet. You, it, it takes a decision of the heart and say, God, I'm not motivated by fear. I'm not motivated except by love for you and for what you've done in my life. How can I not bring my best and give it to you? You know, the, you remember when Cain, you remember the story of Cain and Abel, and Cain killed Abel, and it was, they, they had both brought an offering to God. But Cain had brought his offering of, of what he had grown, and Abel had brought the best of his sheep. Can you imagine that, that, that Cain, you know, you, he didn't go and pick the, the best of his corn. He just picked 10 bushels of corn or whatever it was that he, that he gathered, that he'd grown. But Abel had gone to that flock, and he, he had selected the very best. He looked for those sheep that were the, the, the best sheep, the, his absolute best. He says, this is what I'm going to bring to God. This is a tenth of my flock, and this is how I'm going to present it to God. There, there are a group of people that say, God, I'm going to fully trust you, and I'm bringing my very best to you. I'm not bringing what's left. I'm not going to take it if I have enough. But God, I'm giving you the very best of what I have. Then there is a fourth category. We had these and these people in Nairobi. These were the new converts, and that that uh, everything was new to them. One guy thought the tithe was ten shillings. He didn't know ten percent. He just knew ten shillings. And so somebody finally told him, it's not 10 shillings, it's 10%. Another guy thought it was 50%. And we didn't figure it out. We thought, why is this guy struggling so much? I know how much he's making. I know how much his house rent is. And we asked him, how much are you tithing? He said, Pastor, I'm tithing 50%. He thought the tithe was 50%. You know, God only asks of us 10%. The government takes three times that much from you. Amen. And the government cannot bless you the way God can bless you. I've had people, you know, they come and, and say, Pastor, can you preach on healing more? We don't get enough preaching on healing. Or, Pastor, preach on faith. Can you preach a little more on faith? We'd like to hear some faith sermons. Nobody ever asks me to come up and preach on money. Pastor, can you preach some more tithing sermons? I don't get too many of those. But there, there, there needs to be more emphasis in our lives placed on finances. Of the 37 parables that Jesus taught, 16 of them were related to money and stewardship. I mean, if the Lord himself puts that much emphasis on our stewardship and our resources, how many know that it's, it ought to be as important as prayer or even outreach in our lives that maybe there's something to this thing about giving? Now, I'm not talking about preaching a, a, this prosperity gospel and you can have anything that you, anything you want that, that, that's this prosperity type of gospel that's going around. That's not what I'm preaching. But neither am I preaching a gospel that is a poverty gospel where somehow it's more spiritual. The less you have, the more spiritual you are. That's not what I'm preaching either. 
I'm talking about being a godly steward that whatever God, that, that as God blesses your life, you are a channel of his grace and his mercy. And as he pours into you, you are able to allow the, the, the gates of your life open. And whenever there's an opportunity, you say, God, what would you have me to do? Lord, what would you want me to do in this situation? And as we give, the, the windows of heaven are open and the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Do you remember the scripture in Luke 6, 38? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and we know all of that. And, and the image that I have in my mind as, I'm, as I was sharing that with our church in Nairobi is as if your hand was on the throttle. And the more you open up the throttle, the more the windows of heaven are opened into your life. The more we pull back, those, those windows tend to close because there's, there's a spiritual principle of giving. And he says, give and it shall be given unto you. You cannot, as Pastor Andrews was saying, you cannot outgive God. There, there, there's a principle that we have to get our, our minds around and understand. I might have shared this the last time I was here, but uh, when we were doing a crusade in the in, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo years and years ago, there was a woman listening on the very outskirts of the crusade grounds, and she was selling some food out of a kiosk, and her business was struggling, but she was listening to the preaching and, and as Pastor Jones was preaching on casting your net on the other side, she thought to herself, maybe the problem is that I'm on this side of the street and not the other side of the street. So that night she said, tomorrow I'll be on the other side, and she moved her kiosk from one side of the road to the other side of the road. Now you wouldn't think, you would think that, you know, it's the same street and, you know, the traffic is going to be the same, but as she moved it to the other side, there was a, a spiritual principle that she understood of obedience. It was something that God had impressed upon her and put in her heart. She moved her kiosk to the other side and her business began to flourish. She couldn't believe it. But let me tell you, there is an obedience that, that takes place in our hearts when we yield to God and we say, God, it's not mine. I understand that I don't own it. It's not my car. These are, these are my kids, but they're, God, they're your kids. I'll be a wise steward over them. God, this is your house. God, this is your business. It belongs to you. God, this is your time. I'll give it to you. God, I'll be a good steward of what you've given me. And there's something that has to happen in our own lives where we yield to the work of the Holy Spirit. We, it all belongs to God. In Luke 12, verse 16, you can look at it if you like. Luke 12 and verse 16. I don't hear pages turning. He told them a parable. In Luke 12, 16. I'm in the ESV version on this particular text and he told them a parable saying the land of a rich man produced plentifully and he thought to himself what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops and he said I will do this I will tear down my barns and build larger ones now listen to all the times he says I there I will store all my grain and my goods and I will say to myself soul you have ample goods laid up for many years Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? 
so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You know, when we give and when there's a, a need, you know, let me tell you what, the, the, the way I look at it and the way that I see it as God is, is uh, explaining some things to me in the word of God is that it all belongs to him. It's all just stuff. That money that's sitting in the bank, it belongs to God. Sometimes God will lay on our heart a, a, a need and, there, and he'll, he'll say, you know what, I just want you to move some of, some of this stuff over here. And when it comes time for vacation Bible school, we're going to move some of this stuff over here. And when it comes time for uh, uh, a conference overseas, we're just going to move a little bit over here. And when we're ready to buy new chairs, we're going to move some of God's stuff over into the, to, to the chair fund. And when it comes time to, to paint the building, we're going to move some over here. And it's just basically moving God's stuff around. It's stewardship. It's saying, God, I know that everything I have belongs to you. God, wherever this came from, I know that you can do more and you can give me more because that's the kind of God that you are. If it's time to plant a church, well, we'll just move some of God's stuff over there. It all belongs to God. Now, I'll tell you, there is a real need in our churches to teach a younger generation about giving. This is a materialistic generation for sure. We got stuff, and our stuff has stuff. And we've got, you know, even our, our you got a new phone, but then you got to have the apps that go with all, you know, and you got to have all these things, and we've got stuff that has stuff. And it's a materialistic generation. We're consumers, really. And, you know, the consumers consume. I don't want to be just a consumer. We have in our church people that come, they, they, they never participate. Let me just tell you something. When it comes to a church, this is your church. It doesn't belong to a, to a single person. This is your church. This is God's church. And that as a church, we come together and we bring our, our resources together. We bring our families together. We bring our time together and we invest our lives and we've I've planted our family in that church in Colorado Springs and together we invest our lives in, in that place we're not consumers we're producers we're contributors we we make ourselves available let me tell you something it ought to be in your heart that you say god this is this is where i'm going to be and i'm not going to just be somebody that that is on the on the receiving side but i'm going to be on the giving side i'm going to give my time i'm going to pray god where can i serve in this church i'm going to ask pastor is there anything that you need is there an opportunity maybe in sunday school maybe in in a children's ministry or in in uh, you know who knows what area there are, there is available but there's an opportunity for God to use you and do something in your life and it begins when we yield ourselves and we make ourselves uh, contributors in the kingdom of God I was sharing with our with uh, Evan and with Emily something that I'd heard about Heinz ketchup and Heinz ketchup went from the glass bottles. You remember their, their uh, uh, claim to fame was how slow it came out of the bottle. How many remember that? And it probably is still that way to some degree. And they, they're so glad that, you know, that, that every, it, it just came out slow from the bottle. Well, they wondered why, isn't, why is it that we're not selling more ketchup? So they decided let's change the packaging a little bit and we'll put 
ketchup into a plastic bottle and the bottle that they came out with was a pretty good sized bottle. I think it might have been a 44 ounce bottle. Pretty good size. But they found something that even the, the, the bigger bottles, people did not use as much ketchup. So they sent researchers and, and people to do studies out in the field to sit with families and see why is it that they're not using more ketchup. Just observe, and they told people, don't do anything different. Just use the ketchup the way you would use it in your own house. And so this man that was a director, marketing director for bottling, or the, he was involved there, he went and he sat and he watched a family. And they noticed something, that when they were using the ketchup, the bottle was so big, the kids couldn't pick it up, so the parents had to squeeze it out onto the kids' plates. And, they, and, and a light bulb went off in his mind he says I'm understanding something because the kids have never had the experience of touching the bottle themselves as they grew up they did not have that direct relationship with the ketchup bottle and with that experience and so there was something that was missing they had to put it into smaller squeeze bottles now you can still get glass bottles here, I think you can get them. In Kenya, you can get them for sure. And, but, but now they've made it. So now, I mean, everybody can use ketchup. They, you can peel the little packet off and use ketchup. They've, they've done something with that experience. I've been in churches where people never touch the offering basket. Somebody, somebody in, in, of course, in Kenya, they brought the offering to the front. But in, in some places, you know, it's just kind of handed over there. And if you don't have anything, well, then that's all right, too. But listen, there's something about us taking that basket and, and passing it and, and teaching our kids this, there's, this is an opportunity to give. God does something in their lives. We're responsible. Where do we get the resources to evangelize it? Well, there's not a money tree out back. It's, it, God has to do something in our lives. We operate by faith. I live by faith. In our church, I've seen people that I would never imagine owning their own business that God has blessed them financially. And, and the, most, the, the most testimonies I get are not from the, the, the ones that are the you know, so-called business minds, the ones that seem to have it all together financially, that's not where I hear the most testimonies. I hear more testimonies from people that are simply living from, from week to week, day to day, and financially, they, they don't know what's going to happen next. We've got one couple, some of you know Johnny and Nicole in our church. Johnny's a big guy. Johnny sells bows of all things, headbands for babies and bows it total, it's totally like out of character for him. Here's this great big, you know, former gangbanger, and he's standing on a street with a display of baby girl bows. But let me tell you something. This man listens to the Holy Ghost. And he came up to me about two weeks ago, and he said, I've got a testimony. He said, the Lord told me to pack up all of my stuff and to drive 30 miles north to Castle Rock, Colorado, between Colorado Springs and Denver, and to, and to set up my stuff there. He, this guy, he can hardly afford gas from place to place. And he gets in that car, took his stuff up there, and in a single day made more than $1,000. It totally, it blew his mind, but more than that, he says, in, in that day, he said, I led 21 people to the Lord. 21 people. I thought, and, and this is not the first testimony. 
He makes pledges when it comes to the, the sign that we had set up out in front of our church and when it comes to other things with the canopy, they make pledges that are, are bigger pledges than what a lot of other people have made. And God needs, meets that need not, not just overall, but in the first week they came back and said we were able to give everything we had pledged and now we want to make another pledge. How does that happen? That is a person that is yielded to the Holy Spirit that God has done something in their life and their kids are going to see that. Can you say amen? Let me tell you, and I want to close on this right here. What is it that motivates us to give? What motivates me? It's not, just, it's not just the need. I don't just hear the need and say, okay, I've got to help them out because, you know, they're struggling. I'm motivated because of a heart of worship. Worship, motive, my love for God motivates me. It is my desire to see other people's lives changed. It is my desire to help push the gospel farther where people are waiting on the gospel, it is, it's my love for God and my love for people. That's what motivates me. You know, of all of our churches overseas, one of, our, one of the most blessed, and, and from what I have seen, is our church in Congo, in Kinshasa. When it comes to investing and planting churches, that church has planted churches around the world themselves, he flies himself, Pastor Ben Musa flies himself from DRC to our conference every year, pays for his own hotel. When it comes to bringing pastors, that church brings pastors in. And when he, he, he flew us from, from Kenya, and, and you know, to fly from, from some places, you can get a ticket from here to, you know, to Colorado Springs for what, 100 bucks one way probably on, in some, some cases. There, it's $900 for a three-hour flight from Nairobi to Kinshasa. That church invested and did that. There's something that God is doing in that because they're a liberal church. They're, they're an evangelistic church. They, their heart beats in time with God because of their love for God. It, worship, and that, that heart of worship motivates me to give. Listen, God always responds to faith. You look at it in the Bible. You look at those stories in the Bible. God responded to their faith. It was like they pulled heaven down into their circumstance because they believed in him and what he, what he could do. He, they pulled heaven down into their situation. That, the, the kind of, of seed that we plant is the kind of seed that we harvest and it really does bring deliverance. It's called good stewardship. It's honoring God. Can you say amen? One of the last, I'd say one of the, the, the last areas, you know, we, we yield to God piece by piece. We don't always come to God and give him everything all at once. We give God piece by piece. It's like you, you've been saved even for 10 years and there's something that God is still trying to work on in your life and you've given him a piece. But listen, one of the last areas to come to God and to yield and be submitted is our pocketbook sometimes. If you really want to see the favor of God, I'm not speaking just because of, of, uh, you know, of what, I've, what, what I've seen in other people. I've seen it myself. If you want to see the favor of God, let your heart be a heart of worship and say, God, whatever it is you love, that's what I love. You love people, I love people. God, 
what is it that you would have me to do? And if all we'll do is yield and, and simply obey the Holy Spirit, every need can be met, both in this church, in the harvest field, in whatever it is that God wants to do in your life, every need can be met. If we'll simply say, God, what is it that you would want me to do? Amen. That's how 2014 is going to be a different year. You set the precedent. You, you set the pace for the year. Now, at the end of our year, we give out a tax receipt. You probably do the same thing. We have given, done that for many, many years. Every year, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at what God has done. I look and I say, God, did you really, were you able to do that out of our lives? I know I didn't make that much. God, how did you do that? And we've never gone without. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And our church is full of testimonies just like this one is, of people who, who put God to the test because it does in this area say, test me in this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven. This is one area where we can say, God, I'm putting you to the test. I will be obedient and we let the Holy Spirit work. Now, I know this is an unusual message for a visiting pastor, but I believe it's what the Holy Spirit would say to every single one of us this morning. This, let, it, let it be a challenge to you for this year that God can do even more out of your life and through your life than he did this last year. Amen? And you'll see the fruit of it in your own life. Amen. Let's bow our heads all over this place.